From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back to The Dairy Show, everyone. I'm your host, Katie Schmidt. This week, we are celebrating a major podcast milestone with our 50th episode. So before we get to our guest, I want to say a quick thank you to all of you for following, liking, sharing, and listening to this podcast. It has been a true joy to put together each of these episodes the past two years. Also, if you have not liked, subscribed, or shared The Dairy Show with a friend, now is a great time. Because to celebrate this milestone episode, we have asked a legendary guest to be a part of the show today, Callum McKibben of Lookout Farm in North Hatley, Quebec, Canada. Welcome to The Dairy Show, Callum. Well, it's great to be asked to be on. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have you start, Callum, explaining a little bit about yourself. Give us what the background is of your career and connection in the dairy industry. Yeah, well, I uh, I actually grew up on a Jersey farm here in Quebec. Uh, my mom and dad had immigrated from Scotland after World War II in the 1950s. And he came over to manage a, a well-known Jersey herd and to rejoin his father who had moved to Canada. So that's how we ended up in North Hatley here. So I grew up with Jerseys. And we we did a lot of showing. My dad did quite a bit of judging and uh so from a very young age, it was kind of instilled in us boys. There's three boys and a, my sister, and we all were very involved in, in the cattle stuff. We really enjoyed it right from very young age. So it's kind of in my blood, I guess. I, I, like the, I like the farming, but I do like as well having really nice cows, so great pedigrees and cows that can get out and exhibit at some really good shows. Yeah, and... For folks who don't know where North Hatley is, I did a little research. It looks like it's just across the border from like Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, in that pocket of Canada. Can you explain what the dairy industry looks like in that part of Canada? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we're only, I'm only a 25 minute drive from Derby Line, Vermont. So that Derby Line is where Cowtown Holsteins were. And so we're not very far from there. And it's actually where I live, right in my corner here. It's very uh, picturesque. It's a, it's kind of more of a tourist area region. There's a lot of uh, lakes and ski mountains, and and a lot of golfing in the summer and boating on the lake. So we get a lot of people that are around just that are tourists, and they happen to stop by and and ask if they can look at the view from our house. We. Uh, we sit on a mountain here, and uh, it's got like a view. We probably see about a hundred miles panoramic view all the way around, uh, looking down the lake to the U.S. and looking to the ski mountain off the barn. And it's a it's very very scenic. It's a well known property. Back when I was a young boy, uh, just about oh I guess I'd be about eight nine years old. Uh, we lived two miles down the road. And I used to come up here in the mornings and collect the beer bottles from the old lookout. There was a lookout platform and people used to pay money to the farmer to come parking and have parties. And so after a few years, I had $10 saved up. And my father asked me, what are you going to do with your $10? And I said, I'm going to buy the lookout someday, joking around. So uh, little did I realize that uh, so many years later, a lot of years later, back 
20, I, 2001, uh, I was driving down the road with a friend from, uh, from the States and they were putting up a sign for sale and, uh, it was all grown into trees. There was no more farmland here. It was all kind of grown up wild and no buildings. And, uh, I said, wow, the lookout's for sale. So my friend said, well, let's walk up and see. And so we walked up into the property and you couldn't see the lake at all grown in the view. And anyway, we decided that day that maybe we'd buy the property together. And uh, it's Gerald Hall back from Arizona. So Jerry and I, I called the real estate and the next day uh, I bought the property and that was the start of lookout. We, uh, he's a partner on the land with us and we, we owned some cows together. And uh, so we started up that way and started from scratch. So we built the house. First of all, my wife kind of knew what she wanted and I had plans for the barn and, Got the barn built, and then my wife and I went out and bought the milk quota, and we started started from there. So it's been a ongoing uh, project, but we're really happy the way it's turned out. Uh, we've managed to uh, each year try to do some improvements, and we do have a beautiful view that a lot of actually famous people stop here to see the view. They ask if they can come up and look at the view. So it's kind of neat, actually. Have you rebuilt the lookout tower for that purpose, or can you see enough from the top of the mountain? Yeah, actually, we built our house right where the lookout was. So we're just back a little bit from where the platform was. And uh, we have a postcard here of the lookout back in the 1950s. It was a postcard that was circulated throughout Canada. And my house is built just back from that a little, but it's kind of neat because we find uh all these treasures. <laughs> Our dog goes fetching a frisbee down the hill, and we found this beer bottle uh, underneath some branches, and it still had the beer in it. And it was a black United, uh, black label United, as what it said in the cap. So we looked it up. It was a beer from 1949, and somehow it had never froze. It was under all those trees all those years. And we find all these stubby, the small beer bottles and all the stuff people used to throw over for the lookout. We still find it. So it's kind of neat. You go down there and you always come up with something. We take it for granted. We see that view every day and you take it for granted. When you get in in the evening in the summer and you decide to barbecue, you just look at it and you say, boy, we're very fortunate to have that. So it's great. It's crazy to think that as a kid, you jokingly said, I've got $10. I'm going to buy this place someday. And now here you are farming on it like that's that's a almost feels like a destiny story yeah it really it really it really is it's something that was always in my head and I just never thought it would ever be possible and uh, when we bought this land we had a little place of our own and uh, about 45 minutes from here and at that time I used to have King Dean and I had Linjet Murphy and I had some Skybuck Lucy I had some great cows that were at the other farm off and on till I sold them but we didn't have milk quota, so I just kept five or six really nice cows, and I bought and sold some top end cows. And so it was a it was a project when we started here because we bought the milk quota, which is a big investment, and started milking thirty cows, which we we milk around thirty three, thirty four cows as a max. And really, we can't get any bigger because my barn is right at the edge of the mountain. So it's, it's not like I want to expand, and I, I really couldn't expand if I wanted to. So it makes us stay selective on what we have in the barn. Sure. And what, is the, what does the farm look like, Calm? What kind of dream barn did you build from scratch in the early 2000s? Well, I, I wanted a barn that was really practical to work in. 
but yeah, looked really nice for the cows. And uh, I had seen a lot of barns, a lot of farms, and I, I had some plans from other farms that I liked. And I kind of picked the best out of all of those. And in the end of the day, we we're very happy the way it worked out. Our cows are very comfortable. I'm a little old fashioned on the bedding. I, I like a lot of bedding and I have a, a bedding keeper so that the legs never get bruised up or marked up. And the cows walk on, on rubber down the floor, but they sleep on the bedding. And it's 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 really comfortable for the cows and comfortable for us as well. Um, and we just tried to make it really practical. There's no no tiles in front the cows eat off of. We actually use the anti-mat is the part where they eat off of, and it works tremendous. Because if a cow ever steps over out of her stall, puts her front over the, sorry, leg over the curb, she never slips, or if you get a cow loose at night, she'll never fall down in front of the, the row. So it was some just little things I saw in different farms that I kind of put together and, and did in this barn. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a pleasure to work in. We really enjoy working in the barn. And anybody who helps us really, really enjoy it as well. It's, it's a nice barn to work in. And who's involved in the operation of the farm today? It's actually... It changed quite a bit. We Over the years, we had lots of trainings. My wife and I and my daughters uh, were very involved throughout. And, uh, of course, as things move on, our daughters, two of our daughters are married now, and they have husbands, and each of them have a child. and, and But they're all still really involved in the cow stuff with us. And they have their own lives, but they're very involved with – they own cows with us, actually. And our youngest daughter, Lana, is here on the farm with us, and she – has the intention of someday taking over. She really loves it, enjoys it, and she she's got a great eye for a cow, and she's a hard, dedicated worker. And so we really enjoy having her here with us on the farm. And uh, but she's getting married next fall, so but she still plans to have lookout as her future. And uh, and her her future husband, he's a really uh, great guy that is into the his family are into the beef cattle, so. I always tease her that maybe we're going to get some Herefords here on the farm. and So she laughs. So, yeah, it's it's kind of neat, actually. Well, the Herefords would almost make sense since you have so much breed diversity already at the farm, from what I can, can tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always uh, I keep an open mind to things, and uh, it's something that, that I've always – for me, a good cow is a good cow regardless of the color. And I've judged all the breeds, basically, and I've owned – most of all the breeds at uh, one time or another. So it's uh, it's something that is always, I've always enjoyed that. Uh, I, 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 I get as excited about judging one breed as the other. I, I feel it, it's an honor when you get asked to judge, no matter what the breed is. Are there any challenges that you come across with having multiple breeds in the barn at once? Like, are there, there management challenges with that or breeding challenges with that? To be honest with you, the management challenges, really, we haven't seen much uh, problem. Like a lot of people said, well, your jerseys with your Holsteins, they might get hurt out there with the Holsteins. Well, I'm actually more feared the Holsteins will get hurt because the jerseys are, are there. They got a mind of their own. So they, they get their way into the hay feeder and they do their thing. And and uh, we we actually let them graze together. And, and, it, and then we quite worried, we got quite worried that, when the jerseys come in heat, are the Holsteins going to hurt them? But to be honest with you, the jerseys kind of go off on their own and do their own thing, and the Holsteins are off 
it, it in the summertime when it's a hot day and the cows are out, my jerseys are out grazing in the field and the Holsteins are under the trees. So each breed have their own things they're strong in. And the brown Swiss are something we've got into here lately in the last years. And um, we enjoy having them as well. They're a very hardy breed. They're, they uh, very seldom ever have a, a cow get sick or a heifer get sick. They're very great grazers. They love to go out and eat and come into the barn. And they're maybe a little more hard to get in calf, I find, than the other breeds to get pregnant. But in general, we, we enjoy having them. And we have the Ayrshire now and again. Here, I just bought an Ayrshire with uh, people in Vermont. Uh, Iroquois Acres, I bought her together, and uh, she'll be coming to live here, but she won her class at Madison. I just bought her uh, with them right before Madison. I judged her at the Big E show, and I liked her and told them about her, and we decided to buy her. So, yeah, she's going to be coming here for the Royal. So. Oh, that's exciting. That's just in time then. So I want to ask one more question about the farm before we move on to expo things, because there's a lot to talk about on that front, too. In those early days of starting the farm and buying the land and starting from scratch, was there a lesson that you learned that still impacts your decision-making today? Yeah. Um, at the start, it was, a, it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot. We were, you know, building the barn, building the house, clearing the land, uh, making a place for the cows to graze, but leaving trees for shade. and. Uh, and you're going to laugh at this, but the, when we were building the house, we had a kind of a, a just a temporary road to get up to the top where a house was being built. But the barn hadn't been started, but we'd started clearing the fields and making piles of dirt and topsoil off and getting the stones away and leaving some trees, taking some trees. And that day, I think I had six cars drove up on a Sunday afternoon and asked us when the golf course was going to be done. <laughs> and so I said to myself, well, maybe I'm going the wrong route here, but I have no regrets. Uh, no, I said it's going to be a dairy farm. And to be honest with you, we, we've never looked back. We we strive ahead. It's not always easy financially because it's a big uh, investment when you start. But, you know, we set our goal and we stuck with what we wanted to do. And we stick with having the kind of cows we like here. And uh, we're not scared to try to buy cows with partners on top end cows but we our our goal is to keep breeding really good ones and uh so we're really happy when our our red and white was intermediate champion at expo this year she's a homebred cow so that was uh really exciting for us when you can start to see your your breeding turn out to be something really special so how does buying quota work as a new farm in canada like it's only so much available you only can buy so much or how what does that pool look like well, we were lucky when we got started, we were still able to step in and buy the quota. We got 30 kilos all at once. and uh, But now there's new rules. Like you wouldn't be able to just step out and do that. You can only get so much a month, maybe half a kilo or a quarter of a kilo quota, which isn't much. So we were very fortunate. We started when we did because it, it, it's all changed since then. We wouldn't have been able to do what we did then now it's totally different the only way you could is if you bought an operating farm that had the quota and you bought everything and just took over the farm to buy the quota is very very difficult now it's very restricted uh, the way they you can buy it and it's not an easy thing to, to get your hands on quota now so okay well we're going to switch gears because 
Madison obviously just happened here what, a couple weeks ago. And you guys have a long drive out to World Dairy Expo. And according to Google, it's 17 hours of driving. And I'm assuming that's longer when you have a truck full of cows and tack. So what does that trip look like for you guys? We, uh, we try to break it up. It's um, back when we started. Uh, well, actually, I, I started going to Expo when I was, uh, I think, 1983, 84. I went with the Ayrshire's uh, from Quebec. And that was really the first time Ayrshire cattle had gone to World Dairy Expo from Quebec. And uh, so I did that for quite a few years. And back then, we used to put them in the trailer, and we'd go as far as the border. We'd milk them in the trailer up in western Ontario and then cross the next morning and go right to Madison and never unload them till we got to Expo. And uh, did that quite a few years. And, and then when I got started as a manager for my father-in-law, we – decided to bring the first Holsteins from Quebec to Madison and uh, a string. And I remember that was a long trip. We had a we had a steel trailer, and it wasn't really great on a long haul. And we had many flat tires, and I think we were like 40 hours getting to Madison that year. And we had them on this gooseneck, and uh, I was milking the two cows, and we had five heifers. And I believe that year we had seven head and – we only had one animal below second place. And the two cows we had, they were all black and whites. And the, the two cows we had on the trailer were both in the middle four for grand at the end of the day. So that was a pretty good start for, for us. Uh, they weren't exactly all the cattle. Like we had a couple that come from other guys that we took down with us. But a lot of them were from the farm I was managing at that time, Beerward E.T. And my father-in-law now was John Beerward that was in charge of that farm. So... I had quite a few years going to Madison with them. I think in 87, I ended up with the junior champion with a heifer I had bought with my brother-in-law, uh, Don Johnson from Cherry Crest and my father-in-law, John. And we, we showed her throughout the year and she was getting beat in the spring, but by fall, she went out and was junior champion at Expo. So that was a highlight of, of mine as kind of a newcomer in the Holsteins at Madison to have junior champion on my I think it was my second year there with Holstein, so it was really fun. That's incredible. Like, that that doesn't happen. No, no, we were lucky. And as far as the trip goes now, we, we try to break it up. Ideally, what I like to do is I like to rest them at farms and take almost three days to get there, and I find the cows just arrive in great shape. But it all depends on the logistics of trucking and your help you're going to be able to get when you get to Madison. And so this year... My help couldn't arrive to Madison till the day after I usually like to arrive. So I planned the trucking and with another fellow that was showing from Quebec. And we basically arrested over in Ontario one night at a farm and then went straight through to Madison from there. And uh, the cattle got off pretty good shape because they had that one night resting in another barn and relaxing and filling back up. And we felt better because we got some sleep between the drive. Last year, we broke it up. We went down through a different border into the U.S. And we rested the first night at OCD in New York, which was great. And then I rested at Pat Conroy's the second night at Cowboys and took the cattle there. And then we went into Madison. The cattle really arrived great last year as well. So I like breaking it up. It's just we've rested at Lucky before for two days before we went into Madison. And the cows looked fantastic that year. So we, it's really nice if you can break it up for the cows a little bit. 
you've spent time judging on the color shavings as well at Expo and numerous times. So how does having that experience as a judge impact or change your experience as an exhibitor? Well, I, I think uh, I've had the opportunity to judge often uh, at, at Expo, and it was, I was very fortunate when I got started because it was uh, 1995, Bob Fitzsimmons called me, and he had been chosen to do the Holstein show, and he asked me to be his associate judge, and uh, I was like, of course, I would love that. It would be a great honor, and uh, so I that opened up my eyes to what it's like to be in the ring at Expo with the cows. It really, uh, it was quite a, quite an experience for me as an associate judge, uh, quite young. And Bob was such a great judge and is still a great judge. And it was really fun to, to watch how he worked the ring. And I tried to learn from Bob. Bob was a mentor of mine that I watched how he judged. And I said, well, if I get a chance to just show, I'm going to try to handle it the way Bob does it. So that was a big opportunity for me. Little did I realize the next year I got chosen to do the Holsteins and the jerseys. And I did both breeds the next year. So that was a big jump for me right off. And uh, so I did both breeds that same year. And it, it was a it was a great, a lot of work, a lot of walking, a lot of mental fatigue, but I, would, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I have great memories of doing both the breeds and it, it, I got, to pick two great champions and it was it was a great uh, great feeling for me a great honor and i i look at it in the way that because i've judged so often now and I've, I've got to judge all over the world and a lot of shows and i i tend to when i'm showing my cows i'm also judging the other cows in the ring when i'm leading my cows and i see i see what the judges are doing it, quite often you know exactly what, why you, where you are. And, and it makes you realize, okay, I, I can accept this and, and roll on. And, and I think that's a big thing. You, as an, a judge, you tend to be more forgiving as an exhibitor because you realize what the judges have in front of them. And of course, when you're at World Dairy Expo, you're at the top quality show maybe in the world. So it, it's, uh, it makes me, it made me open my eyes being a judge, realizing, like, uh, when I'm exhibiting, yeah, I deserve to be 10th here. I deserve to be 20th here. You know, it, it really does. And, and I think people who don't judge maybe don't have that opportunity and maybe don't quite realize, you know, till they've judged the show, okay, now I see what it's all about. So it's a lot different in the ring than sitting up in a crowd as well, looking at the cows. I, I mean, when you're in the ring, it's – it's a total different view than when you're just sitting up there in the chairs. So, so you can, when you're in the ring showing your own cows and the judge is judging, you can see when he's pulling them, what he's looking for. You already see a pattern. And, and I tend to, I tend to be watching that as, as, as I'm showing my cow, I kind of know what they're looking for. So. Your history is spot on Callum. Like I made notes. I had our dairy cattle team pull some data for me and yeah, your, your, yeah, your first appointment was 1995. You judged the two breeds the following year. And they have told me that you've judged Expo 12 different years and everything but Guernsey's, which is impressive to say the least. Yeah. I've, I've been really lucky. Actually, I think it's 13 times I've been a judge, but two times I was an associate judge and 11 times I've been official. So yeah, it's uh it's it sure 
when you get that phone call that you're on the ballot and then you get the phone call if you you're picked the judge it, it's a pretty overwhelming feeling and uh i take it as a great honor and i when i get asked to judge a show at expo i i stay kind of clear of that breed for the year and just mind my own business at home here and try not to get too involved in that breed that i'm judging and i think that's fair to all exhibitors if you do that yeah and that's I guess, do you want to explain that a little bit, Callum, for folks that are listening who maybe don't understand that component of judging at Expo? Yeah, I think uh, it's, as a judge, you got to take it as a great honor. And it is a great honor to get asked to judge a show like that. So, I mean, everybody knows I buy and sell cows and I'm, I be, I'm big on finding good cows for people. And so when I am get asked to judge a breed that year, a specific breed, I, I just step away from that part of it and I try not to get involved at all in buying and selling in that breed when I'm judging that breed that year I'll still do business in the other breeds but I won't do business in that breed and and I think you got to do it it's the only fair way to the exhibitors you know that, that everybody goes out there with an equal chance and you go out there with a clear mind and I try not to follow what's going on but it's pretty hard now with social media because you'll see stuff and you just try to avoid it and move on and not pay too much attention. But, I mean, you just got to go and judge them that day. And that's – I've always done that as a judge. I look at it on the day, and it doesn't matter if I recognize a cow or don't recognize a cow. If she's the best cow that day, she's going to be the best cow that day. And if she's not, she's not. And that's just the way the way I judge. I, I guess you got to have a little bit thick skin to be a judge, I think. Uh, you got to – realize that people are going to probably be upset but you got to please yourself and at the end of the day you're the one that's got to go home happy with what you did so and and i think that's an important thing as a judge and i think picking your associate you need to pick an associate that you feel has the same same feelings as you do that way and i think you can work really good as a team together when you have an associate are there moments from your judging career at expo that you remember most or some of your favorite moments oh yeah there's there's lots of moments that i mean moments where you get a chance you're judging a cow she walks in front of you and maybe that day she doesn't look as good as you thought she would and and then you don't end up winning with her and you're thinking to yourself oh boy here i go i'm not going to be very but you just do it and you do it because that's the right thing to do and uh so there's been moments like that and i won't bring up cow's names but you know you 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 realize after you hear it on the mic the cow's name you're like oh oh wow i guess i i guess i was hard on her but not really because that's what i saw today and and so you you just try to like i say you focus on that day and you do it that day and you don't worry about anything else and but i have memories of picking champions uh actually when i judged in 2003 it was a junior that had the grand cow uh a girl from Minnesota, and it was Cheyenne Lee was her name. And that cow, I made her grand of the juniors, but grand of the open as well as a three-year-old. So that was kind of some feeling for me to realize a junior had won grand of Madison. And I didn't do it intentional. I did it because she had the best cow that day in my mind. So yeah, that was a kind of a, a memory of mine that I probably the first year in doing the 96 picking the Jersey cow, Nadine was my champion. And then Black Star Buffy, who's, I didn't know who she was. And 
she was a fresh, pretty fresh cow making her grand. Those, those stick out in my mind because I'm like, wow, I'm making some pretty big decisions here. And, and, and you just go ahead and do it, do what you see and, and hope that, you know, at the end of the day, you're the happy one. And then hopefully every, my dad always used to say, you hope that at least 50% of the people are happy after. But uh, I mean, you you always just don't worry about that. You got to just please yourself. And that's, that's what I try to do every time I judge. Do you think the, the place that social media plays in dairy cattle promotion changes the game of that a little bit with like, you know, we look at like the Holstein show this year. And some of those like mature cow classes were stacked with these really well-known cows and like these household names. Like how does, is that a social media thing or are the cows just getting that much better? I think the, the cows are getting better every year. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's tough from what you would have 25 years ago to now. The cows have really, really changed. And, uh, I think as judges, we're all getting more on the same page of the kind of cows we want now, too. And that, and and to be honest with you, the influence of a lot of great bulls, you have Goldwyn back in there, you have a lot of great bulls in the Holstein breed that have left some really great uttered cows and great cows, period, that are very, even bulls from back when Goldwyn was going, they're modern cows today. Uh, he was a bull before his time. And I think just the influence of those great bulls in behind and Farmers knowing what to breed their cows to, it just makes it stronger. And there's so many great cows. But you know what? I never judge a show that is that I find a show that's stronger is easier to judge than a show that's not as strong. And and I think if you ask a lot of judges, they'll tell you that they'll separate themselves. And when you get to a show where you gotta search for your winner. That's not so easy. But when you're judging a show like Expo, where there's 30 or 40 great cows there, but they tend to separate themselves. And I always found it almost easier to judge the stronger shows than the shows that maybe aren't quite as strong depth-wise in the classes. Because you can have the pattern of cow you like every time, and you can follow that pattern of the kind of cow you admire and, and, and like. you know. And that's kind of a what I've found uh, a lot of people always say, Oh, you must be really worried. You're judging that big show. There's so many great cows. And I, I try not to think about it. I just try to go in the morning and my wife will know we don't even talk about it. We try to just not even talk about what cows are going to be there. Just go out and judge the show. So you mentioned that judges are kind of getting more on the same page in terms of consistency and what everybody's looking for. What is everyone looking for? Well, I think uh, we're looking for modern modern well-balanced cows that they don't have to be the biggest cows but for me they have to have enough dairy strength and constitution uh to go with their size so i think in general we're looking for great udders great legs beautiful balanced cows and and they don't always have to be the biggest cow but i'm not saying a big great cow is a bad thing there's a lot of big cows that are extremely well made and so you got to think about that when you're judging as well. You, I kind of look at it as I go for the best cow in the class, and I just hope I have a pattern at the end of the day. And uh, But I think there's so many great – the udders have come so far in the Holstein breed. It's crazy how many good udders there are now in that breed. There's always been breeds that have been strong in mammary systems. The Holsteins have got so much stronger in that department over the years. And 
I really see a big change from judging 30 years ago to now. I mean, you're you're not going to see a bad udder in the class, really. At the end of the day, there's all they all got pretty darn good udders. So it it really it's it's great to see how that has happened. How there's so many great cows coming at you. But like I say, I I think they separate themselves. So when you're right at that top end, you can see why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, that might be just little things, but you you can see the reasons why you do it. I like to end episodes with a little bit of advice from my guest, Callum. So what I'd like to know from you is what kind of advice you would offer young people who want to find their way in the registered show industry. What should they be doing? What kind of advice could you give them? Well, I think the advice I can give them is if you've got your heart and soul set on something, you just drive with that passion and you'll get there. And uh, I remember when I was younger, I always wanted to judge. And my dad would sit out the Hordes Dairyman in front of me and say, judge that class of cows, give me a set of reasons. And I would. And, and it, instilled the the passion of judging in me and then when I got asked to judge some shows I just said well boy I hope someday I get to judge a show like the Royal Winter Fair in Canada or or World Dairy Expo or one of those great shows and I just kept judging shows when I got asked and judging shows and then I when Bob asked me as asked me to be his associate judge I judged a lot of shows in the USA by then I, I, I jumped to that opportunity, and, and to this day, I, I have no regrets because I really, really always drove forward for the passion of wanting to judge and own really great cows. And I think as long as you stay on track and, and just focus, you'll get there. I mean, that's my advice to, to a lot of young people. I think it's something that that you know, you if you have the passion and the drive to do anything, you you can succeed. And and it it takes a lot of good people on the way. You got to have some good mentors that you look up to. And a lot of I a great a great father gave me great advice. And my father in law to this day, he's ninety one. He's still very active. He follows all the shows. He judged a lot. And he taught me a lot about judging. And the main thing he taught me was, don't go out there and worry what cows are in front of you. Just place the cows the way they are, the way you like them, and don't worry about anything else. And he always told me that, and that's what I've always done. And uh, and I think you gotta you got to have the people along the way to help you. Like Bob asked me to be his associate. It was a big stepping stone for me. And 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 like just the uh, the people in the business, the farmers uh, you meet, the, like you'll learn – you learn things from things from everybody. And I always say there's not a day in my life where I haven't learned something. It's not always about cows, but I, I, I think every day of your life, you learn something. You really do. I try to, to do that as well. And Caleb, I know you uh, are on your way out of the country to go do some judging as we're recording this. So good luck judging in Argentina. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, it's a pleasure being on here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. 
And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 